You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This is hit well in a center field. Edwin's carrying out at center. It's out of here! Oh, Johnny with a pinch hit home run! At the plate is Mike Trout. The pitch on its way. It's blasted out to dead center field. Out of here. Ball gets away. He's going to break for the plate. Ball game is over. The Angels with a walk-off win here in the bottom of the ninth inning. This is the Angels Recap Podcast, a review of the past week in Angels baseball. Here's your host, Trent Rush. Oh, what a week it has been here at 2000 Gene Autry Way. My name is Trent Rush, pumped up to be with you for a special edition of Halo's Hot Stove and the Angels Recap Podcast. Look, I told you when the season ended that when there was news to discuss, we would be here. And that's what we're doing here on this podcast. We're not ready to roll something out for weekly. But we're going to be here for right now. And when there is more news, we will continue to be bringing you more news. Then come first of the year, we're going to have Halo's Hot Stove on AM 830 more frequently. We're going to have Angels Recap Podcast available for you more frequently. And we're going to have all of that available. That's what we do here at AM 830 and at the Angels Baseball Radio Network. So here we go. Shohei Otani, unanimous MVP. We'll go through some of the facts and figures on that. But more importantly, we're going to hear from Shohei as well. If you did not get a chance to hear the Shohei Palooza that was on the Sports Lodge with Roger Lodge on Thursday afternoon, my goodness, it was a party. Mark Gubiza, Mark Langston, Joe Madden, Tim Salmon, Jose Moda, Clyde Wright. The list goes on and on and on. Terry Smith joined us on the year. It was a freaking blast. I mean, I had so much fun uh, getting a chance to be a part of that day. Um, It was just a really good time on the radio. And the important thing here was you had all the Angels' voices together celebrating Shohei Otani and what a year it was. Without further ado, here's the man himself, Shohei, on the honor of being named the 2021 American League MVP. I'm extremely happy and I just want to um, say thank you to all the writers of the BBWA that voted for me. My teammates, coaches, manager, um, everybody that was involved with the um, training staff, and all the fans that supported me through uh, thick and thin, and also the, um, my doctor that performed surgery on me. That's Ipe Mazahura translating. You know, I said this on AM830 earlier Friday morning, and I want to continue this here. There's a lot of validation that comes from what Shohei was able to accomplish this season. Because I think people look at Shohei Otani and say, well, yeah, of course, he was the superstar in Japan. He came to the United States. Every team wanted him. Yeah, of course, he was going to be able to be the MVP at some point. You know, I, I just don't think it's that simple. Because this was no cakewalk for Shohei Otani coming to the United States. First of all, you know, the 2018 season was outstanding. I mean, he had the Rookie of the Year campaign. I mean, he did so many things that blew us all away. Um, you know, he was he was held back a little bit with the way that, you know, some of the restrictions were managed, and he ended up having some arm trouble and all, all of these things. He had a very good 2018 season, a historic 2018 season. But at the same time, we, we really didn't yet see full Shohei. I think there was still that assimilation process into Major League Baseball. 2019, he couldn't pitch at all. So the bat, I think, struggled. He just was, Shohei was never able to be Shohei. And then in 2020, 
The pitching was a disaster. I mean, I mean really, he, he could not throw strikes for anything. So the fact that he was able to bounce back the way he did and have the season that he had, how many people out there, especially in the national media, but just around the country, how many people were out there saying that Shohei Otani should not pitch at all coming into 2021? Or if he did pitch, it's like you really have him for the bat, but if he can pitch, okay, then great. All right, cool. That That's just bonus on top of what Shohei Otani does. How many people thought that? I'll tell you a lot. And a lot of smart people thought that too. There are a lot of doubters out there. And, and even going back before that, we remember his first spring training in 2018. That March, things, I mean, the Japanese media that followed Shohei around that March, they were embarrassed. I mean, it was, it was unbelievable. They took so much pride in Shohei Otani that they were just so disappointed because he struggled so mightily that spring training. Now, all of that got erased like a week into the season when he has a very good first start up in Oakland, comes back home, three straight games with home runs, and then he took that perfect game into the seventh inning here at the Big A in his first home pitching start. Then it's uh, all forgotten about, right? But the story of Shohei Otani I don't think is as simple as many people think it is where it's just a great player that has come to the United States and all of a sudden he has the tremendous success. I mean, we, we can go through the numbers. We can talk about the 46 home runs that Shohei hit this year and you know how his war was so much better than everybody else. But I think to really understand Shohei Otani as a player is to understand Shohei Otani, the person. And even Thursday, he wins the MVP. You would think that this is this monumentous occasion in someone's life and you might want to enjoy it a little bit. But then this is how Shohei decided to celebrate. Yeah, I don't really have any special plans, actually. I'm probably going to spend a lonely night by myself at home. But, but actually, my, um, my mom's in town. Um, my sister's in town. So I'll probably see them right after this. It's still um, uh, before noon over here. So, And I've still got some workout and practice tomorrow. So I'll probably sleep early and get ready for that. I'll tell you this right now. Uh, me and Shohei are not the same, in case anybody was wondering. I was ready to be popping champagne bottles here at the studios at AM830 when I got the news. Are you kidding me? But hey, that's just how driven this guy is. He's going to work out. He wants to get better because he feels like he hasn't done enough. He wants to win a ring, and that's the priority for Shohei Otani. I'll tell you, I promise you, you have never known another human being more driven than this guy. Man, I tell you, the expectation that Shohei has on himself is unbelievable. This is what I asked him at the end of the season on if he felt like he was able to live up to the expectation that he had for himself coming to the United States. Yeah, I'll leave it up to the fans and the, I mean, the managers and other people out there to decide if I met my expectations. But um, I was really happy to get through this season without any injuries. And honestly, I wish I could have done this, had a season like this a little earlier. This is my fourth year, so I think it took a little too long. But Four years took a little too long. Unanimous MVP. 30 people got the chance to vote. All 30 voted for you, Shohei Otani. And there are haters out there. I know there are haters. I see them on Twitter. It's all out there. Oh, Shohei shouldn't have won. The Angels are wasting Otani. The Angels are wasting Trout. How about this? Unanimous speaks for itself. Unanimous MVP, Shohei Otani. And here's his manager, Joe Madden, with Roger Lodge yesterday on the Sports Lodge on if he expected a unanimous MVP selection. I was, re- I was really happy that it was unanimous. I'd been really disappointed had it not been. That's, that was 
The only thing that was hanging me up because you hear different things, uh, but to not vote for him this year based on what he had done and what had never been done before, uh, yeah, it was the right way to do it. And then, yes, um, Shoei cannot be a more humble young man and a great teammate, <laughs> excuse me, great teammate, and all of our guys are just thrilled for him. Trust me, we're going to hear more from Joe in a bit. We'll hear from Noah Syndergaard, Perry Manassian as well. But while we are talking about Shohei Otani and what it means for Shohei to be the 2021 MVP, you also have to understand the work that goes in to what Shohei Otani has done. And I've been asked this question a lot of times, just the nature of what I get a chance to do for a living and being around this Angels team. I don't think that people understand, first of all, how intrinsically motivated he is. I mean, this guy, he does his thing, and it's almost up to some of the Angels coaches to to just get out of the way. Like, Shohei knows what he's doing. There's no book on this. Only Shohei knows what he needs to do, and that's how the Angels have treated him. I mean, that's that's what Joe Madden has kind of let him do his thing. That's been the Angels' mantra for how they're going to get the most out of Shohei Otani, and trusting him is really where that begins But I think that when you think about the work that goes into what Shohei Otani has done, this guy is the most efficient human being I have ever seen in my life. And I've been around some efficient people. The timing of how Shohei goes about his routine, his schedule, the amount of sleep that he works into this as well. When Shohei is working, he knows exactly what he needs to do, not a pitch more or less, to maximize his potential. He is the most efficient athlete in sports history. That I, you, cannot, you cannot deny that. He is the most efficient athlete in sports history, and he is doing something unlike anybody has ever seen. Even Clyde Wright, Roger Lodge, spoke with him on Thursday afternoon, has never seen anything like Shohei Otani. Shohei wins the MVP in unanimous fashion. Was there any doubt in your mind he was the MVP this season? Not in my mind. I I watched him play all summer long, right? And I said, is anybody better? They have to be six foot under. (laughs) Because I'm telling you, I've never seen a guy do what he did during the year. Now, people don't realize how hard that really is. Roger, when I signed in 65, I was playing A ball. I played the outfield three days and pitched the fourth day, right? Sure. And it absolutely just wore me out. I could not handle it. And I don't know how in the world he does it for 162 games. And when it comes to great moments that Shohei Otani had this year, it's hard to pick what the best one was. I still say the home run at Fenway Park uh, was the was my that was my personal favorite moment for Shohei Otani this season. But how about the guys that were calling all the games this year, starting with Mark Gubas on television? There, there were so many moments, so many games where he did some incredible things. I think you go back to the first game where he started against the White Sox, where he touched 101 miles an hour, and then he hits a home run about 450 feet, 100 and 15, whatever, plus exit velocity is off the bat. So that moment right there, I remember sitting there watching the game with my oldest daughter. When he hit that ball out, I go, if there's ever a drop-the-mic moment, that would be it right now. How do you throw 100 <laughs> and then hit a ball 450 feet? Is this not it? I always said he's, he's, he's not human. And I used to say that about Bo Jackson, but it, that's why I said we've got to get Bo and, and Shohei together at some point this upcoming season because I always believe that at some point – 
they're not from this planet, neither one of those two. So it's pretty cool to hear and talk about those guys. And, of course, on radio, the great Mark Langston answered the same question. You know, certainly what we were seeing in the first half with what he was doing offensively, and you've got to remember what he did. And this is, you, you can't, can't take away anything with Vladdy Guerrero did or what Marcus Simeon did or anybody else this year. But you, you look at Vladdy Guerrero, he did have Marcus Simeon around him, and they did start the season in Dunedin, which is a spring training facility where the ball just flies <laughs> out of there. And you look at, at, at the lineup that Vladdy Guerrero and Marcus Simeon had around him, and you looked at what Shohei had around him, with basically no trout, basically no uh, Anthony Rendon, and very limited Justin Upton. So he didn't have the pieces that those other two guys had around him. And certainly what we saw in the first half, you're starting to put it all together going, man, if this guy is able to stay healthy and able to complete this season that he started, no question. Uh, you thought you were seeing something special. And, again, this is what all the hype was about when he came over from Japan was this guy's talent is you just have never seen anything like it. And you always thought, okay, well, we'll see. These are the best in the world that are over here. And sure enough, man, was he able to put everything together this season. And it was fun to watch. As I know that you and all the Angel fans that got to go out and see him or watch him on television uh, were, were seeing something that uh, nobody else has ever seen. You know, it's funny. You hear all these guys talk, and everyone's saying the same thing. We've said it here. I mean, everyone said this. Nobody has ever seen... Anything like what Shohei Otani was able to accomplish this season. Let's go through some of his numbers just for a moment here. Because I would be remiss if we didn't go through all of this. All right, 31st place votes, 19th unanimous winner in MVP history, 11th in American League history. Shohei, the third starting pitcher in the American League to win MVP in the last 50 years. Roger Clemens, Justin Verlander being the others. He's the second Japanese-born player to be MVP. That's what... Ichiro Suzuki accomplished in the Mariners' great 2001 season. As a hitter, Shohei Otani ranked in the top 10 in the American League in all of these categories. He led the league in triples with eight, was second in the American League in extra base hits, 80 of those, slugged 592, that's second best in the American League, OPS 965, second best, third in home runs with 46. Third in walks with 96. Top five total bases, 318. Top five stolen bases, 26. On base percentage, fifth, 372. How about runs scored? Buck 03, eighth. And that's with the lack of protection Mark Langston was just talking about. On the mound, 9 and 2 record, 3.18 ERA, 156 strikeouts, 156 strikeouts. In 23 starts, 156 strikeouts in 130 in the third innings. Insanity. Opponents hit just 207 against them. Led the majors with a 9.1 war. And among a million other things, first player in big league history to have 10 home runs as a hitter and 100 more strikeouts as a pitcher in the same season. Of course, the All-Star game uh, as a two-way player started the All-Star game, batted leadoff in the All-Star game, participated in the home run derby, won player of the month in the American League back-to-back months in June and July. I mean, you just go across the board. The season for Shohei Otani was absolutely incredible. Even Mike Trout says he's never seen anything like this no he's remarkable you know just uh the wear and tear on your body you know be able to throw 
110 pitches in one day and then come back and go three for four. It's pretty impressive. Um, you know, it's, we've never seen anything like this. Why well, haven't? Um, Terry, you might you, you say that? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just messing with you. Uh, I got nah. one for you, though. Don't worry. Yeah, no, I think uh, no one's ever seen anything like this, and it's just, you know, everybody's just trying to take it all in. Yeah, a little uh, joke there at uh, Terry Smith's expense as well. Speaking of Terry Smith, he also was on on the uh, Shohei Otani Palooza yesterday on the Sports Lodge with Roger Lodge, where Terry called all of Otani's home runs this year, and he reflects on some of his favorite Otani moments. Well, Roger, when I got home after the season was over for the Angels, and I saw a lot of friends that I hadn't really seen for six months or more, uh, Shohei was the, the topic point, obviously, when when I saw some of my friends when I got back home and what I told them and they would say, you know, what was it like to watch this guy on a daily basis? I said, we were having a chance to see things that have never been done in the history of the game. And, you know, ultimately Babe Ruth's name would come out from some of my friends. And I'd say, you know, Babe Ruth didn't even scratch the surface of what this guy did in a single season. Uh, what Shohei did uh, was never seen before at the major league level. I don't know if, if uh, we'll ever see the kind of year he had this year again from him. I'm hoping we will. But, again, it was so extraordinary. And, you know, to, to think he's going to be able to do this year after year, you, you kind of hope and pray that it happens. But whether or not uh, we'll see this from him again, um, you know, that's up for some debate. But I, I think uh, – the one thing I tell people is, I said, this guy is an absolute freak, and I say that in a good way. I said that the things that he accomplished this season were never accomplished in the history of the game, and he finally lived up to, you know, some of the hype that was bestowed on him when he was in Japan. I mean, you know, people were saying he might have been the greatest player in the history of the Japanese professional league. We didn't really see that uh, to the extent we saw it this year, we saw a little bit of that in his rookie season. And then, of course, he had a couple of seasons where um, in 2020, obviously, he only pitched in two games and hit 190, I think, that year for us. And then the year before, he was sidelined. But everything uh, came into uh, fruition for him. It was great to see. And I can't wait to see him in spring training and, and shake his hand and congratulate him on the, on the honor that was well-deserved. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. As great as 2021 was for Shohei Otani, hey, we're already looking ahead to 2022. Look for the Angels. As much as an incredible accomplishment what 2021 was for Otani. The goal remains for 2022 to get to the promised land. Like, I remember, you know, for Shohei Otani, when he came, it was with Mike Trout. It was about, you know, this team being a championship contender. Well, for the Angels, the recipe to be a championship contender is simple, and that's acquire front-end starting pitching. Get this rotation better. And Perry Manassian is already off to a tremendous start by bringing in Noah Syndergaard. Now, Noah Syndergaard has a career 3.32 ERA. I understand 
that Thor has only thrown two innings over the last two years. But to me, this is a very calculated risk. Sure, it's a bit of a gamble. One year, $21 million for Noah Syndergaard, considering the injury trouble coming off of Tommy John. Now, when you consider that Justin Verlander got one year, $25 million, and he's 10 years older than Noah Syndergaard, kind of gives you an idea of just where the market is at. I really like this gamble for the Angels for a number of reasons. Number one, if Syndergaard is right, and based on everything that we're hearing, he very much could be, then that is a front-end starting pitcher. Teams are not just going to give up front-line starters. And you're not going to be able to just sign a front-line starter unless you're going to be willing to spend, what, $35, $40 million a year on that? Unless you're taking on some kind of a risk. And that's what the Angels have chosen to do by bringing in Noah Syndergaard. Noah Syndergaard is capable of being a Cy Young contender. This guy is that talented. That is a front-end guy. There are not very many of them out there. How many guys in baseball would you even call an ace? Five, ten? Like, are there that many aces out there? Noah Syndergaard can lead a staff. I also think this is the first step for the Angels. The Angels can't be done here. This has got to be step number one for the Angels to to build a rotation that has a chance to have a lot of success. I think with the Angels, they're already going to have a top-five lineup in baseball when healthy. And if you're able to have a starting rotation that starts with Noah Syndergaard and already features Shohei Otani and can have guys like Sandoval and Suarez on the back end of your rotation and fill in some other gaps in the front half of your rotation, then you have a real chance for this staff to be very good and make a legitimate run and contend for a World Series. That's the plan here with this Angels team. But to get that, you do have to take on a little bit of risk to be able to make you know, to be able to put a staff together that's going to have a chance to be that good. Front-end starting pitchers do not just fall into your lap. And if you're going to trade for them, you're going to have to trade almost everything you got to try to get it. And you have to evaluate if that's going to be worth it. Now, it's a one-year deal. So, for Syndergaard, it's, it's a prove-it contract coming off of two years where he's thrown two innings and coming off of Tommy John surgery. So, yeah, I mean, in Syndergaard's case... He even described this as being the the make-it-or-break-it year for him. I thought that was pretty interesting to hear him talk about that. We'll hear the Angels' perspective and Perry Manassian's side on this in a minute. I also thought it was pretty cool how well-documented it was that that Perry went to dinner and flew out to New York to go sit with Syndergaard. An impactful conversation because Syndergaard said he was really impressed by Perry Manassian's IQ and the understanding of the pitcher. And things that he wanted to work on with Syndergaard's, you know, mechanics and, and figuring that side out to get Syndergaard to a place where he can be that guy. Thor was very impressed that Perry knew pitchers as well as he did. We're not surprised over here on this front. Not surprising at all. But I had a chance to talk with Noah Syndergaard, and here's our conversation. Thank you very much, Adam. Noah Trent Rush here from the Angels Radio Station. Appreciate you joining us. And also, congratulations on the new contract. When you had options to go different places, it's being widely reported there were a lot of teams interested in you. Why the Angels? Um, well, first and foremost, uh, from a broad, generic standpoint, I just felt like it would be it's a great place for me to have a, a brand-new, fresh start, clean slates. Um, the last two years during this rehab process has been pretty grueling. I learned a lot about myself. Um, you know, just wanted a, a fresh start to get back to, to my to my old self. Um, you know, it was a, a no-brainer once I had that sit-down meeting with, 
with Perry had a really um, in-depth um, plan of attack to get me back to where I was 2015, 2016, 2018. And, uh, you know, not pitching for two years. He had a, a great game plan that I'm 100% confident in that's going to keep me healthy and allow me to, to flourish and blossom to my true potential. When you had that meeting, what were some of the things that you guys were able to talk about in terms of like how much did you know, the Angels being close to being a contender, how much how much did that weigh into your decision? At least how do you see it that way? When you think of the Angels, you, you think of the uh, the booming offense they have. They got some of the most exciting players, or they do have the most exciting players in the game, like Trout, Shohei, Anthony Rodone, Jared Walsh. Um, I think just some of their uh, – missing pieces was starting pitching and I just hope I can fill that role. And, uh, you know, if, when I'm able to, to get back to where I used to be, I, I think that the, the angels are going to have a, a real shot at making a, a huge run for this. And Noah, last thing for me, uh, clearly, uh, coming off of the elbow surgery coming back, just where do you feel you're at physically right now as you head into spring training in 22? Um, you know, right now, I'm 100%. You know, there's no limitations. Rehab is officially over, so it's just time to, to get down to business. When Noah Syndergaard talked about coming to the Angels, he also got some tips from a current Halo, and that being Steve Ciszek, his workout partner. How about this story? But I'm actually, I work out at the same gym that Steve Ciszek works out at. He said it was, I mean, you, you know, I mean, he's been around the game a long time. He said it was the most fun he's ever had playing baseball. And going back to this now famous dinner that Perry Manassian had with Noah Syndergaard and Noah's agent, here are some of the things that impressed Noah about that time he spent with the Angels GM. Um, just from the get-go, the start of that dinner, I, mean, I could just sense his passion and his desire to win right now, and uh, that got me really fired up. And just being able to talk pitching mechanics with the guy, it was like, I don't know many GMs that I trust to like go to him and like, I mean, I'm definitely going to trust the pitching coaches with the, the Angels, but it was just a, a fresh breath of air, or breath of fresh air to uh, to hear that, and to, to know like his his baseball knowledge and how. Uh, uh, I mean, he was able to uh, break down some of the flaws that I had over the past couple of years, and when I when I came back, and, and I feel like my my agents uh, a really good pitching coach. You know, he has like Lucas uh, Giolito, Jack Flaherty, Max Fried, Marco Gonzalez, so. He's a, a pretty bright pitching mind, and some of the things that he said to me throughout the season were some of the th- same things that Perry had mentioned um, as far as mechanics. Um, so I thought they were kind of in on it together, but there was no conversation prior to that. Um, so I, I trust that what they saw, they're going to be able to to fix, and I'll, I'll get back to, to my old self. One of the good things, too, for Noah Syndergaard is that he's going to be able to be free, and when he talked about his health further – Take a listen to what you had to say. Yeah, there's uh, no restrictions at all. I'm actually looking at moving to the Orange County, Newport area as fast as I can and just uh, soaking up that sunshine. And um, You know, I live in Dallas for most of the off season, but the weather's a little bit bipolar. It could be 30 degrees one day and then sunny the next, and it's not very conducive to, to get outside because my throwing program is going to take precedent over anything else. You know, there's always a place that I can train, but um, you know, in terms of in the weight room, that there's really not need to get too much stronger because um, it's not really going to translate on the field. So I just really want to 
focus on my throwing program, um, hone in on, on uh, being comfortable on the mound, develop my pitches, um, because, I mean, I was told or I was advised not to throw my, my breaking balls last year. So I want to make sure that those are crisp and I'm uh, back up to where I used to be. Well, it sounds like all good stuff with Noah Syndergaard, and we're certainly excited to see him with the Angels. I just keep dreaming on what the rotation can be with Syndergaard at the top and Shohei Otani. Man, if there's a way for Shohei to be your three going into this 2022 season, the Angels have a real chance here. And, and Perry Manassian has been talking about pitching, pitching, and pitching, and it's obvious that he is serious about this. And we'll hear from Perry uh, coming up a little bit later on in our program. Uh, But on top of that, how about the number that Noah Syndergaard's going to wear? With New York, he always wore number 34. Now, of course, that's a number that belonged to Nick Adenhart with the Angels, and nobody has worn it since. And when he was on Roger Lodge's show on Friday afternoon, Noah Syndergaard talked about what number he would wear. You know, I was 34 with the Mets, and... I would really love to wear 34. I understand that back in 2009, uh, Nick Ainhart wore that. Um, I just want to honor his name and, and wear that jersey with pride. Outstanding stuff from Noah Syndergaard right there, and it was cool having him on. Now, when it comes to what's next for the Angels, Joe Madden shared his thoughts on what could be coming. By signing a guy like Noah, I think that uh, that opens it up for others. I think when uh, a team makes a statement like that this quickly and knowing about our history, I think that opens other people's eyes. Uh, and I read some negative reaction to it, and obviously those people haven't been around us often enough uh, to understand exactly how important this is to us. So I think signing a guy like Syndergaard can absolutely uh, steer other guys in our direction because now uh, a lot of folks like our team on the field. But now you look at him, Shohei, you look at Suarez, you look at Sandoval, you look at Detmers and others. Uh, it gets kind of exciting quickly. So, um, yeah, Perry's not done. That's clear. And that's one of the questions I asked Perry Manassian because I thought that maybe a move like this could kind of set the tone for the offseason. That it's really not just, you know, the finished product is, okay, you bring in Thor and now you're good. It's about filling out this rotation. And I, I thought maybe that there could be some kind of a tone set in getting this done on November the 16th when this thing went down. I mean, the the thing about this, to get this done in mid-November is a big deal because we also have a looming CBA issue coming up in December 1st. You talk to anybody in baseball, even the commissioner has basically acknowledged there's probably going to have to be some kind of a shutdown to be able to work towards progress in the future. And we're all optimistic that it's not going to be impacting the 2022 season, but there is going to be some kind of a pause that's going to impact free agency. It's going to impact trades and teams building clubs for the year. So to get this done now, I thought was a good sign and also um, to be able to know for sure that no matter when this CBA issue gets resolved, you're going to come out of that knowing you have Noah Syndergaard. That's a big deal to have that uh, in the back of your mind going into this season uh, to know that Syndergaard is going to be in your starting rotation. Boy, what a boost that is to this Angels pitching staff. But before we hear from Perry Manassian, let's pause for a moment for a word from our sponsors. Hey, Perry, can you walk us through the process of going through being able to acquire uh, Noah and just kind of the, the timeline and how that kind of played out? It was somebody we had our eye on at the beginning of the offseason. You're going through each and every available player. He stood out, uh, you know, obviously, his track record. There's familiarity. There's history with the player. 
it always makes it a little more comfortable, especially when you're taking this type of risk. Uh, having that, having that history with the player, uh, I think was something that put me at ease to a certain extent. You know, with that being said, walking into the GM meetings, he was uh, someone that we wanted to discuss and get a chance to talk to his agent, Ryan Hamill, who was outstanding, um, you know, as, as far as dealing with him and, and how professional he was. And, and you know, we were able to express our interest and uh, we knew there'd be a high level of interest in this player. He's, he's obviously what he brings to the table when he's healthy and right. I think there's a lot of teams searching for and um, had a great meeting at the GM meetings, asked to have the chance to meet with him, offered to fly down. Uh, He was in New York at the time to fly across the country to New York, have dinner with him, kind of explain who we are, what we're about, where we want to go, how we could be a big part of it. And uh, it was a, I felt like it went really well. I'm glad we were able to do that. And over the last couple of days, negotiations, you go back and forth. You know, there was another comfort in the sense that there were multiple teams in. We were not the only club. Um, you know, there were there were multiple teams. And, you know, and, and it's somewhat flattering, right, the, fa- the fact that he picked us. You know, I think it's a – it's – there's – you know, I think it's a partnership, you know. And, and, you know, we're betting on him, and he's betting on us. He did not come here to lose. He wants to win as bad as any player I've talked to. He's as competitive competitive as it gets, and that's the kind of guy we're looking for. Perry, do you think that this maybe sends a tone kind of for what the offseason can be? Maybe this not the only player going after, but maybe other free agents could see that, you know, hey, if Noah wants to go to the Angels, there's something going on here. I think it helps. Uh, I mean, but at the end of the day, it's it's I like what we have to sell. You know, I like the group of guys we have in that locker room. Players talk to players. It's that's that's how it works. So uh, what what the experience is for each and every player in our locker room has an impact on uh, um, possible additions, especially in free agency. Because again, players talk. So uh, I like the group of guys we have. I really like our clubhouse. You know, I think we have a good mix of veterans and youth. And um, you know, does this set the tone? I, you know, this is not about setting tones. It's about improving the club. And again, I can't thank ownership enough for giving me this opportunity to do that. Thanks, Perry. Yeah, I thought that was a good approach uh, there from Angels GM Perry Manassian. You know, Perry also spoke about the upside of signing somebody like Noah Syndergaard because, again, there is risk in this thing in bringing in somebody that's thrown two innings over the last two years and now depending on that guy to be at the front of your rotation. I also would like to add that coming off of Tommy John surgery is not what it was 15 years ago. Okay, guys bounce back. Now, there are some people that might say, oh, well, you can come back better from Tommy John surgery. I, I don't know about that. I mean, physically, I, I, I don't think you can. Um, but you can improve as a pitcher and improve your command, and the stuff can be so close to what it was before that you could end up putting up better numbers. That I believe. That I can buy into. So Noah Syndergaard is not just a thrower. This guy is a pitcher. And, yeah, it's a good sign he was up to 96 in, in those last outings that he had at the end of the 2021 season. Very good news. But in hearing from Angels general manager Perry Manassian, I mean, he truly believes the risk is certainly worth the possible reward. Yeah, I think it's huge upside. I think when he's right, he's one of the better pitchers in the game. You know, he's one of those guys that 
you want to give him the ball in big spots. I think his postseason history is will tell you that. I, I think on top of that, aggressiveness, which he pitches with, the moxie, uh, whatever you want to call it, I think complements our rotation really well. And that's something we want to improve. And he definitely provides that. At the end of the day, you guys have heard me say this before, and, and, and I'll say it again. We're betting on the person. You know, this is a person that's totally committed to his craft, you know, listening to his routine and what he's put into the rehab process. And uh, I'll give you a perfect example. He sent me a text today. We had, we had a discussion about things that we thought would help him get back to where he was and even past that. And um, he was doing a drill in his workout and he sent me a little video of it. So he's obsessed with being as good as he can be. And you know, for us, at least, it's it's definitely the right DNA to take a shot on. That's not a small thing in getting that in this Angels rotation. And I thought that was a big role that Alex Cobb played last year. And I mean, if it ends up coming back that, you know, Cobb returns the Angels, who knows? Uh, he's a free agent out there, but I know that he liked his time here. I would imagine the Angels would want to bring Cobb back, certainly with the way that he finished, if it does work out that way but you have a group of young guys and you want to kind of have some of that edge you know you want to have some of that fire Thor brings that now Thor's a little bit of Hollywood too I'll tell you this I mean he is the TV star right he was on Impractical Jokers and was Game of Thrones and he's been in some other stuff I mean like hey you kind of like that about Noah Syndergaard coming to the Halos but when it comes to bringing a little bit of that fire to your staff man that's a good thing this group needs some of that. And I remember talking with Perry Manassian well over a year ago about how for, for Perry, he wanted guys that were going to be, be able to bring some edge. You need a little bit of edginess. It's good to have a group of nice guys. You like nice guys. Nice guys are good. And Thor, Thor's a nice guy. Thor's got some fire, too. You like that. You like a little bit of fire. And I think that that can resonate with other people. Look, Noah Syndergaard's coming here to win. At the end of the day, that's what matters most. And yes, the Angels are taking a chance on him, and he's taking a chance on the Angels. Noah Syndergaard is as competitive as they come. Perry Manassian has talked about this a lot, and you can hear it in Thor. You just did a few minutes ago. This guy is serious about winning, and he's serious about getting Mike Trout a ring. That was a major focal point of Noah Syndergaard's press conference he had on Friday morning with the media. He wants to help deliver a ring for Mike Trout. I think everybody is tired of the narrative. I said it once already in this show. I'm not going to say it again. This is an Angels team that is serious about competing. It's an Angels group that is serious about improving the pitching. They have done that already. They're putting where the, the Angels are putting their money where their mouth is. When the Angels say pitching, 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 good start. You got pitching. You're off in that sense. They're just getting going, I think, because they have a chance to build the rotation that's going to be special. And Joe Madden talked about this, and it's a real thing. Bringing in Noah Syndergaard, I think, sends a message to the rest of Major League Baseball that the Angels are genuinely serious about going after starting pitching. Nobody, you know, for the last however many years, the Angels have tried to bring in top-end guys. And it doesn't work out. And then people say, oh, well, the Angels, you know, they don't want to pull the trigger on, on, on top-end starting pitching. Well, you know what? The Angels just did. The Angels just did bring in, you know, this is the biggest free agent signing for a pitcher for the Angels in like a decade. I mean, Thor is that good. I, I don't think people realize how much of a difference maker this guy can be. And you know what? We don't need all the pomp and circumstance. 
You don't need the big, flashy press conference and everything that comes along with that. No. This is a move that's about winning. And Noah Syndergaard needs this as much as the Angels need him. He talked about how this might be a make-or-break point in his career, how this year goes with the Angels. Because for Noah, again, a one-year, $21 million contract, Noah Syndergaard probably thinks he's a $100 million or more pitcher. Maybe he thinks he's a $200 million guy. I don't know. But if he has a really good season this season, then what's next winter going to look like for Noah Syndergaard? I mean, that's has a chance to be massive. And if he can come in here, pitch the capability that everybody thinks he can be and what he thinks he can be and be that front-end guy, be that ace, deliver that for the Angels, deliver a ring for Mike Trout, can you imagine what he's going to command next season in free agency if this thing plays out the way we all hope it will? I mean, yeah, it's great for the Angels now, but Noah Syndergaard saying, I want to do this because I want it to be even better for me in the future. Hey, that's cool. That's when, when, when two parties have separate interests and they can overlap and help each other out, boy, what a great marriage that is. And there's a real opportunity for Noah Syndergaard to be able to do that here with the Angels. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. And going back to the risk on the Angels front, Perry Manassian also talked about a little bit of that. Yeah, I think obviously there is risk. We, we're well aware of that. Uh, one, I'd like to thank ownership for allowing me to take this risk. You know, we're going in eyes wide open. You know, with that being said, we like where he's at. He pitched at the end of the year. Granted, it was two innings. He didn't throw breaking balls. We've done, you know, as far as man hours, the amount of work we've done on this individual, if I've ever done more on an individual player. So we feel good where he's at in his rehab. The physical went really well. I think it's a good gamble to take. If you want to be great, you have to take chances. Great starting pitching is not going to just fall into your lap. Does that mean maybe spending a little bit more than you're comfortable with, try to bring that in, has to be what you do? Yeah, so be it. If the Angels want to be great, and believe me, they do, these are the kind of chances they have to take. And Perry Manassian has a lot of confidence in this one. I'm excited about what this is going to be. And again, you heard Joe Mann say, Perry's not done. I don't think he is either. And here's the man himself, Perry Manassian, on if he's pursuing more starting pitching. There's no secrets here. I, I said it last week. We're looking for multiples. So uh, we'd like to add more. Um, you know, But again, it's about the person. It's about the right fit. It's about the right DNA that comes to our team. Uh, we'd like to add more starters. We'd like to add, obviously, in the pen. You know, that's, that's something, that's something we'd, we're going to continue to pursue on a day-in and day-out basis. So uh, that's not going to change. How's that for serious about getting better? I mean, what a great message from Barry Manassian right there about how real the Angels are in contending and about going after every starting pitcher that I can get. I mean, this is, I think Jim Bowden said this. I mean, it was like one guy after another, Castillo and Bassett and, and Ray, and you go across the line. If you can throw, the Angels are checking in, period. 
That's what other people are saying. And, And from the rumblings that I have gotten as well, yeah. I can tell you that I have heard a lot of those same sentiments. The Angels are are very serious about doing whatever they can to improve this rotation, and Noah Syndergaard is the start of that. May I say, a very, very good start of that. But how about the question for what's the Angels' bullpen going to look like? Earlier this week, Rysel Iglesias declined his $18.4 million qualifying offer. Now, the way that that works is if... Rysel Iglesias ends up signing somewhere else because he did decline that qualifying offer, then the Angels would receive a draft pick in compensation. Now, the Angels are also losing a draft pick by signing Noah Syndergaard. So they could, you know, if another team ends up signing Rysel Iglesias, they're basically just going to be getting that pick back. But because of Rysel Iglesias declining that, Um, It does offer a little bit of an insurance policy for the Angels because they would at least get something in return. Now, he still very much could sign an extension with the Angels. I'll tell you this. I think it's in both parties' best interests for there to be an extension instead of an $18.4 million qualifying offer. First of all, $18.4 million for a relief pitcher is a lot of money to spend on a closer. Now, to bring somebody in like that, I mean, I get why you would offer that because Rysel was simply that good. Heck, he was the Angels' setup man and closer last year. Rysel Iglesias was unbelievable. But you'd think Rysel's probably going to be happier if he could get a multi-year deal. He's going to make more money. And the Angels would probably be happier with a multi-year deal so they could lock in that closer position and pay less annually. I mean, it, it works for both sides. So that, I would imagine, is what everyone's trying to get accomplished here. And there's also volatility with relief pitchers. That we know. You know, bullpens go up and down. There's no guarantee. Like, there have not been a whole lot of long reliever contracts that have panned out long term. But you kind of have to take that chance. And like what we were talking about with Noah Syndergaard, again, to get great starting pitching, you're going to have to take some risks. So maybe it does mean the Angels go an extra year for Rysel Iglesias. Now, to be able to get him on this team, to help this team in 2022 contend for a championship, you got to have Rysel Iglesias to anchor your bullpen. And I do think that there's enough internally that – If the Angels were able to lock down Rysel Iglesias, I think they could fill a lot of other bullpen spots with what's already here. Particularly with the, hey, the the 20 guys they just drafted. You know, Sam Bachman, maybe he ends up being in your bullpen. You know, you can look at things like that. So there are some options that the Angels have, I think, in-house that if you can anchor it around Rysel, you don't have to spend crazy money on your bullpen, and you can go and really hone in a great starting rotation and fill in the pieces as far as relief pitching is concerned, as far as shortstop is concerned, as far as filling out your outfield is concerned. All of those things can work out, I think, in a beneficial way. But for the Angels, you know, they got to be able to try to find a way to bring back Rysel Iglesias and Perry Manassian remains optimistic, and he really wasn't shocked at all to hear Rysel Iglesias turn down that qualifying offer. Yeah, not surprised. You know, obviously, Rysel's earned the right to explore the free agent market. Not surprised one bit. Nothing's changed. You know, we're still in contact with, with, his, with his representation. You know, it's somebody we'd, we'd obviously love to have back, and I think he really enjoyed his time here. We enjoyed having him, and I'm optimistic we can, 
work something out. There you go. Straight talk right there from Perry Manassian. All right, that's going to just about do it for us here on this edition of the Angels Recap Podcast. Thanks for joining us. Of course, you can check out some of our previous episodes as well, right where you found this one at angels.com slash podcast. Hey, give us a rating, a review, subscribe as well. It's a great way to get information as soon as it's done here on AM830. We get it right to you uh, at the podcast level, whether it be Apple Podcasts or iHeart or wherever you subscribe or listen to podcasts, we got it available for you there. So my name is Trent Rush. Thanks to Hannah Stang for all her help. Adam Chodsko, Matt Birch, Grace McNamee as well. Hey, thanks to Noah Syndergaard for joining us. Uh, thanks to Joe Madden for being a part of the Sports Lodge just the other day. Here from Terry Smith, Mark Gubaza, Mark Langston. All fantastic stuff. Jose Moda, Tim Salmon run that show as well. Really, really fun. Have a great rest of your day and look forward to talking to you soon. This has been the Angels Recap Podcast.